On behalf of Chess, I'd like to welcome you to our September 2018 podcast. I'm Kyle Hogarth from the University of Chicago, editor of the podcast section. Thanks for joining us today for what's going to be another terrific conversation and debate. My first guest is Dr. Colin Grissom. He's the medical director of critical care for all of Intermountain Health and is the professor of medicine at University of Utah. And he's here to talk about his editorial and pro-con debate, Should Computerized Protocols Replace Physicians for Managing Mechanical Ventilation? Yes. Colin, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Great to be here. My next guest is Dr. Neil McIntyre, Professor of Medicine and the Medical Director of Respiratory Care from Duke University, and he's here to talk about his accompanying editorial and pro-con debate, Should Computerized Protocols Replace Physicians for Managing Mechanical Ventilation? No. Neil, thanks for joining us. Thank you. So, guys, let's, let's start at the beginning before we dive into your sort of positions. You know, why are we having this debate? Um, you know, a, a, you can imagine somebody saying, you know, the field of mechanical ventilation and, and protocols and, and so forth, the way, the way we manage patients today versus how we did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it's clearly evolved. And so aren't we doing a better job? Like, why do we need all this? I mean, so just give a background, you know, from both your perspectives as to, you know, why this debate's even happening. Do you want me to start, or did you? Sure, want to why not? You got you got the pro position, so you get to go. First yeah, you're out. the pro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think the whole debate uh, centers around two issues. Um, the first issue is uh, standardization of evidence-based mechanical ventilation practices across uh, ICUs internationally, and recent studies uh, show that even though critical care physicians know what the right thing to do is for mechanical ventilation and specifically for low tidal volume lung protective mechanical ventilation, they often do not implement uh, best practice. And so that's one of the problems and that uh, can be supported by uh, computerized electronic dis clinical decision support that uh, uses evidence-based protocols to guide management. Um, so that's the uh, need, I think, is to um, ensure greater compliance with best practices in mechanical ventilation. Um, however, uh, computerized mechanical ventilation protocols uh, sometimes create um, a sense that there's loss of autonomy, loss of ability to fine-tune mechanical ventilation to a specific patient characteristics. And so uh, some critical care physicians in concept want to do the right thing, but then they don't want to have their decision-making taken over by a computer uh, that is running the logic uh, that is managing the ventilator. So at Intermountain Healthcare, the way that we uh, reach a compromise with this is we use open-loop mechanical ventilation protocols, meaning that um, there is a, a computer-generated instruction based on the logic that uh, is provided to the respiratory therapist after uh, input of ventilator and patient parameters, and then the respiratory therapist makes those changes on the mechanical ventilator so that there is a person in the loop with the logic to confirm that it is the appropriate thing to do. Uh, and that is different than closed loop, and there are closed loop uh, mechanical ventilation protocols available, particularly for weaning, where there is no uh, person interface. The ventilator is making the adjustments based upon uh, patient parameters and ventilator parameters. Neil, do you want to expand on that? Yeah, um, actually, I think Colin and I are probably closer than we are uh, separate on this issue. Um, I certainly uh, totally agree that we need to adhere to evidence-based standards 
uh, as as best as possible. And if we can have a computer just uh, computer designed or computer based decision support system, I, I am one thousand percent in favor of that. In fact, uh, I've been working with uh, a number of companies trying to come up with this uh, addition to standard ventilators, a decision support system based on current uh, uh, current evidence. I think uh, uh, the, the problem I have with this concept of computer control is just what Colin said, a, a closed loop system. And I think there are uh, people out there who really believe that you could do a closed loop system. And I have a lot of difficulty with that. A closed loop system, as Colin said, is one where the physician or any other caregiver is totally out of the loop. It's, uh, uh, they turn the ventilator on and then go down the hall and have a cup of coffee. And I don't think we're there yet. We're not there yet for a whole bunch of reasons, um, not the least of which is I'm still not sure what the best way to ventilate somebody is. Uh, the rules are always changing. Um, as more and more evidence comes uh, comes up, uh, classic examples are um, uh, the whole notion of tidal volume. And I agree, there's good evidence in many patients uh, limiting tidal volume to a normal tidal volume, somewhere in the neighborhood of five to seven mLs per kilogram, uh, makes sense uh, in normal people. Um, I think it gets trickier in sicker people. And this whole notion of driving pressure uh, to uh, scale the tidal volume. Uh, to compliance, I think it's fascinating, uh, but we're not quite sure how to incorporate this into our protocols. So uh, I'm, I'm not ready to tell the computer something uh, uh, that I, I myself don't completely understand. Another example would be uh, PEEP settings. Um, there are a whole bunch of ways to set PEEP, um, that many of which seem to uh, work nicely physiologically, uh, but whether they improve or worsen outcomes still is open to question. Should we be using PEEP FiO2 tables? Should we be using uh, uh, compliance measurements? Should we be using stress index? Should we be using driving pressure? And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. In other words, what I'm trying to get across is that uh, uh, I think open loop makes a ton of sense uh, to help us with the evidence as we know it now. I don't think we're ready for closed loop because we just don't know the best rules uh, to follow. And to turn it over, uh, to turn patient management over to a computer that has uh, uh, imperfect uh, algorithms, uh, I think, is inherently dangerous. Garbage in equals garbage out. So, like I said, I think Colin and I are fairly close to each other in terms of decision support. Uh, I actually don't think Colin is arguing for closed loop. Um, so I think we're probably close together on that one as well. Uh, someday we may have closed loop, and there are manufacturers right now who argue that closed loop uh, in many patients is possible, not just in weaning, as Colin suggested, uh, but uh, they're arguing that you can actually set the ventilator up for very sick patients, and again, uh, in, in a closed-loop kind of system. And I personally am just not ready for that yet, just because I don't think we know the best way to ventilate all patients yet. Well, Colin, what do you think? I mean, do you agree uh, that, that you guys are, you know, uh, relatively close in your positions in regards to the open loop versus the closed loop, or are you, are you I, I mean, I, I'm struck by at least this pro-con debate that the, that Colin will be buying a self-driving car before Neil will. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure about that, but I, I would like to address two things. Uh, first, um, the evidence base for mechanical ventilation. Uh, I agree that it's incomplete, uh, but let's start with ARDS. I think there's solid evidence based upon the uh, ARDS network clinical trial of six versus 12 milliliters per kilogram tidal volume by predicted body weight that uh, lower tidal volumes uh, improve 
survival in patients with ARDS, and that for many years before that study and before other studies that came before it that suggested high tidal volumes were perpetuating lung injury, I think we were uh, harming patients uh, with high tidal volumes. And so um, I think the evidence base for ARDS is very solid, that volume control ventilation um, is
you, you made the, the, the comment that volume control ventilation uh, should be used in ARDS, and I certainly agree that volume needs to be uh, uh, properly set and, and assured by the clinician, but I think you can do it with pressure-targeted modes of ventilation, either pressure assist control, even pressure support for that matter, um, if you set the pressure properly to a, an appropriate uh, target tidal volume. And you bring up PRVC and its cousin volume support, which is simply the same algorithm used with a pressure support mode. Um, I find them intriguing, and I think they are a useful tool when you've got somebody whose uh, uh, mechanics are changing or, or, or efforts are changing uh, with a pressure-targeted mode, and volumes are, are varying much more than you want them to vary. It, it, it's a terrific mode for that uh, particular purpose, and we use it. It can, it can fool you sometimes uh, if the patient has an inappropriate respiratory drive, they're in pain, for instance. Um, it can uh, sometimes go in the wrong direction to support the patient, but by and large for, uh, uh, for, for most patients, it is, a legitimate, um, it is a legitimate mode, and like I say, we use it a lot. Let me go back to the title line, though, if I may, for a moment. Um, we have, uh, uh, and, and we do let the record show that we have protocols that do that follow the ARGENET uh, algorithm very, very closely. Um, but one of the concerns I've had in recent years with the, uh, the rigidity of a of tidal volume set to uh, ideal body weight is that that whole concept is based on the notion uh, that it's a normal size lung. That's why we use ideal body weight to uh, reference the tidal volume. It's treating the patient who may have very heterogeneous lung injury, and as Gatnoni said, coined the term years ago, baby lungs, that is yeah, very small lung. actual functional lung, um, that even a tidal, the tidal volume targeting an ideal body weight may be very excessive. And, uh, and that's where this notion of driving pressure has come in. And what is driving pressure? It's simply the tidal volume reference to the compliance. So it's, taking, it, 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 it's trying to uh, adjust the tidal volume uh, for the amount of functional lung that is actually present using compliance as a surrogate for functional lung. So certainly at the moment, I still, the default condition is 6 ml per kilo. I totally agree. I still think the, uh, uh, the, the book is not closed on this issue yet, and I think we may be seeing further modifications of this tidal volume uh, concept as we go along. Um, but again, I want to come, I want to circle around. I don't want to sound like a uh, a maverick here. Um, our protocol does start at six mLs per kilo, and uh, and so we are on board with Colin's notion that uh, we should be following the best evidence base. I'm just saying that the evidence base is incomplete at the moment, and we need to keep an open mind because it may change day to day around this place. Yeah, I agree uh, that it may change, but in the absence of uh, a prospective clinical trial that uses driving pressure to manage the patient, um, it's hard to know how to apply that principle to management right now. I certainly pay attention to the driving pressure. There's no question that the evidence is uh, absolutely solid that higher driving pressures are associated with higher mortality in patients with ARDS, but how do you use that in management? And that's where we come back to uh, what's the evidence that's been tested in clinical trials, and we have to start somewhere and uh, uh, have a baseline um, management uh, that's evidence-based that everybody agrees on so that we have some standardization in the way we approach it. 
Um, and right now that's uh, volume targeted, uh, low tidal volume, lung protective mechanical ventilation for ARDS. But I, I fully acknowledge that that may change um, as we learn more about how to use driving pressure in the management of patients with ARDS. So, Colin, uh, uh, the way I look at this is when we set up a patient uh, with ARDS, or for that, for that matter, almost everything else, um, the default tidal volume is in the 5 to 7 mLs per kilogram tidal volume range. Even today, e even in the ARGENET algorithm, if that drives the plateau pressure higher than 30, um, the ARGENET rules mandate that you actually drop your tidal volume uh, to achieve uh, a, a target plateau pressure. So already there's an adjustment in place. And the way I look at driving pressure right now is I certainly put them at 6 mLs per kilo. That's where we start. And uh, then we look at the plateau pressure. If it's too high, we'll come down a bit. Uh, and remember, the ARGENET rules actually allow you to go to a tidal volume of 4 mLs per kilogram, uh, depending upon what the plateau pressure is. So all we're doing when I'm talking about driving pressure is uh, we don't mandate this in our protocols yet, but not only do we try to get the, dry, uh, the plateau pressure less than 30, but we may reduce the tidal volume even further uh, to accommodate a driving pressure of, well, we're not sure what the threshold is, but probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 centimeters of water. Um, so the, 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 the basic algorithm is there, uh, and as you pointed out very nicely, uh, an open decision, an open loop decision support system, I think is absolutely, uh, or can be absolutely invaluable, and I'm hoping manufacturers will be adding these to their machines in the near future. Um, like I said, though, I'm, 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 I'm still afraid about how rigid we want to be in terms of closed circuit, and I'm, I don't think you're, or closed loop, excuse me, and I don't think you're advocating that at all. I'm just doing this for the audience. Uh, I, I just be very wary of these more sophisticated uh, uh, algorithms out there that um, uh, uh, actually take go beyond pressure regulated volume control, which I'm comfortable with, and start throwing other parameters in, uh, and then start making claims that uh, this is a closed loop system that doesn't require clinician input. I really have difficulty with those. Yeah, I, I agree. We we don't use any closed loop weaning system. The only uh, technically closed loop system we use is the pressure regulated volume control. And I also I agree about the ARDS network protocol. Our computerized logic uh, in our clinical decision support tool does exactly what you described. Uh, targets six milliliter per kilogram predicted body weight tidal volume to begin with. And uh, just as uh, following the ARDS network protocol, if plateau pressure is over 30, then the tidal volume is lowered to five, the plateau pressure is still over 30, and there's an acceptable level of ventilation, meaning uh, a pH that in the ARDSNAP protocol, uh, there's a, um, a kind of a 730 target, but you can go down to 715 uh, and then uh, drop it to four milliliters per kilogram if plateau pressure remains elevated. So that's the exact logic uh, that we also use. And, uh, you know, as far as closed loop, I guess I'm more of an optimist. I don't think it's ready for prime time now, but I think at some point in the future, uh, an evidence-based uh, closed loop protocol um, might become standard uh, because that is uh, the way that technology is moving. If you look at other um, comparable examples in other areas, that closed loop logic and uh, computer-driven logic uh, sometimes is 
superior to what uh, humans are capable of doing as far as the amount of information that they can consolidate and process and then uh, make decisions uh, based on that information. I, I wonder out loud, and I think, Neil, you, you bring it up in part of your editorials where, um, you know, mechanical ventilation, uh, you know, as it's evolved uh, over the last few decades, is becoming an increasingly more complex uh, management uh, requirement for the for the busy clinician, and so it's not just the quantity of patients and the and the diseases that we're that, you know we're all facing when we're taking care of these people, but even just the interactions with the machine, just you standing there, has gotten a lot more complex. And I'm I'm wondering that is it gets more complex, and if we pass more of it off to the computer, if you will, do we risk from an education perspective creating a generation of physicians who say, well, that's the box that you hook to the patient and things happen, you know, because they don't understand the level, how a ventilator works and the, and the pressures you guys are talking about. You know, I, I'm, I, you, could, you could throw out there that, that someone like, the, like both of you guys who, who know this in and out, that you might be this last generation who knows it in and out because we're going to be replacing that level of detail with more algorithmic base. Is that a fear or does that matter? Well, I mean, you actually made the comparison uh, a few minutes ago uh, to self-driving cars. Right. Uh, and uh, one could make the same argument there, that if we have a machine that's driving our car, we may end up with a generation or two ahead of us uh, who haven't got a clue how to turn a steering wheel or or, or, <laughs> or, 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 or push on the accelerator or dodge a deer in the road kind of thing. So uh, that, 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 that fear is always there. But getting back to our discussion here, um, yeah. I totally agree that it is getting more complicated, it is getting more complex, and I want to go, uh, I, I really admire Colin's system back there at Intermountain because I think they have one of the best open loop decision support systems out there. Uh, Alan Morris taught me about the earlier versions many years ago, and I was always intrigued with, um, with Alan's approach to this. He, I, I don't think Alan ever argued for closed loop. Alan was just for uh, a computer always keeping up, always being updated, always looking at as many parameters as were important, and then providing uh, decision support to the clinicians to make sure the clinicians uh, at least knew what the evidence base would say they should do. And, um, uh, and I, again, go back to what I said earlier. I really think these decision support capabilities um, can really make a huge difference, and I'm, I'm just struck how slow they have been to evolve on ventilators. Uh, the manufacturers seem terrified of putting some of these things on their machines because they fear liability, they fear right. uh, compliance with FDA rules and the like. And I keep telling them, you're not driving the ventilator with these, uh, with, 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 with these tools. You're simply taking established uh, uh, evidence-based principles, as Colin alluded to, and simply telling the clinician the current evidence base would say you should do this. It doesn't do it automatically. It just tells you what you should do. And if you happen to think that the evidence base is changing or whatever, um, you do what you think best. And I loved Alan. I don't know if he still uh, mandates this sort of thing, but I remember Alan uh, told me many years ago that one of the beauties of, uh, of, of his approach was that uh, you get a message or a suggestion from the computer that uh, you should do this or that to the rate, title, volume, flow rate, whatever. And uh, if you chose to ignore it or didn't want to go that route, you could do that. But uh, as I recall, Alan always said, you needed to tell the computer why you didn't go that way. And that way the computer is always learning uh, where, the, uh, uh, 
where the deviations might come and why those deviations might come. And I always thought that was sort of an interesting uh, open loop system as well with clinicians who want to violate the rules uh, or deviate from the rules uh, have to give a, a, an explanation why they're doing it and hopefully things get improved as a consequence. So uh, it's interesting that you bring up Alan Morris. Um, he's my mentor and close friend and has been my colleague for uh, over 20 years. Uh, yeah. And he now is a proponent of closed loop mechanical ventilation for the future. Oh my goodness. He's gone over to the dark side. <laughs> so I, I also want to address the issue of where the logic should reside and um, maintaining knowledge of uh, best practice mechanical ventilation um, in uh, generations of critical care physicians to come. I think the best place for the logic and the clinical decision support to reside is in the electronic health record system. And that's what uh, Alan Morris did with our original legacy uh, system and what uh, our group has done with our now commercial Cerner system is we built the clinical decision support in our electronic health record and uh, not, it's not in the ventilator. Obviously we can't put it in the ventilator now because that's what the manufacturer would do. But I think the exportability of uh, clinical decision support for mechanical ventilation in the future is gonna be with uh, the major vendors who uh, provide electronic health records uh, uh, electronic health record systems for um, hospital systems and hospitals. So, uh, and, and when you create that um, computerized protocol, it's a tremendous learning experience because you use evidence-based logic, you use, uh, you work with uh, software engineers, and then you go into the clinical environment and start using it, and you go through a process of iterative refinement that is really an educational process. And those people who are involved in that process learn a lot about uh, mechanical ventilation. Now that, that's not gonna be everybody, and if a product becomes exportable by one of the EHR vendors, then I, I think the problem still uh, exists that uh, there's gonna be a training void for um, uh, future critical care physicians, and we're gonna have to figure out how to maintain those uh, skills and knowledge of mechanical ventilation and management of particularly difficult patients. That, that, will, be, that will remain a challenge, but um, understanding the logic is also a way to learn about mechanical ventilation, and the best way to do that is to participate in refinement of a computerized protocol in an electronic health record system. Yeah, I think that's a great idea because uh, uh, making changes on a ventilator obviously involve much more than what the ventilator is measuring on its own. Uh, there are numerous other important parameters like hemodynamics and gas exchange, and the list goes on and on and on that need to be taken into account sometimes in making sure your ventilator is set up properly. So putting it in the electronic health system uh, uh, does make a lot of sense. Um, I don't know uh, uh, how, it sounds like you can do it much more easily than I can, getting my electronic health people to commit to something like this is, uh, is going to be a major undertaking. So that's why I was sort of depending on the ventilator, but I think you're right, Colin. Ultimately, if you can put it in the, health in the electronic health record with access to all the data, uh, you're probably gonna have a better system. 
Yeah, it, it is a, a major undertaking to do this, and it's one of the um, uh, focuses of our research group and our uh, clinical implementation um, for standards of care at Intermountain Healthcare. So we have a history, a legacy of doing this, but there's no question it takes a lot of resources to create a clinical decision support tool. What we hope is that uh, with our um, new computerized clinical decision support tool, I, I say new, but it's really, we just took what Alan Morris built in our legacy system and we um, made some adjustments and modifications, but largely we uh, used his, Alan Morris's example of how to uh, build uh, an electronic clinical decision support in a EHR and move that into our Cerner system. If we can refine that to the point where um, it's exportable to other health systems, then other people will be able to use that without the same uh, amount of work that's required and resources that's required to create it, which is a multi-year project involving informaticists, software engineers, and uh, respiratory therapists and clinicians, physicians. Um, I will say that even if we uh, were to get it to a point where it could be exported to another hospital system that uh, uses um, uh, our, a similar electronic health record to us, there's still a whole um, uh, range of education and uh, redirection of the way people think about mechanical ventilation management that's required to um, implement a uh, extensive, uh, fully capable uh, computerized electronical decision support for mechanical ventilation for just, let's say, ARDS. In other words, you can't just take uh, a computerized electronical decision support and turn it on in a healthcare system without oversight and education of the providers because it won't work. Uh, there's a whole lot of cultural issues within the um, clinical environment of a particular hospital that need to be taken into account and managed. So maybe uh, uh, while we're waiting for that kind of uh, ideal uh, system, um, I would still perhaps think of taking baby steps and if our manufacturing friends could just put straightforward uh, uh, decision support regarding evidence-based management of different situations in their machines, um, it's something that could be readily available to anybody who gets that machine. So, uh, uh, Colin, while I agree you have the ultimate solution, in the meantime, um, maybe we could make some baby steps and get the manufacturers to help us out. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you could certainly start with uh, basic uh, tidal volume, uh, sure. rate management, uh, FIO2 and PEEP for most routine mechanical ventilation. And these days, uh, from the time I started training uh, till now, we just don't see as much severe ARDS as we saw historically. And a lot of ARDS is milder, and a lot of mechanical ventilation is more routine, and patients are weaned uh, faster, and it's not as, uh, doesn't require as much um, input from the clinician. We still have patients with severe ARDS or ARDS and severe airway obstruction complicating things, and those patients require more attention from the clinician. But I, I agree that something built into a mechanical ventilator could, could provide clinical decision
decision support for the majority of uh, routine mechanical ventilation in an ICU. So, Colin, you made the point that uh, uh, ARDS it, it doesn't seem to be as severe as it was maybe 20 years ago. Um, do you think that's because we are managing ventilators better and not making things worse with ventilator-induced lung injury? I think that's one of the components. Uh, you know, historically, we uh, the secular trend has been improvement in mortality in ARDS, and uh, you know this better than anybody else. Uh, I think it's largely due to uh, uh, or at least a significant part is due to low tidal volume lung protective mechanical ventilation. Yeah. But we get better at taking care of patients with ARDS, and sometimes uh, we're not quite sure exactly why we're better at it. I think it's a, um, multiple aspects of patient care that have, been, have improved, and some of those include the way we use sedation, paralysis, uh, proning, um, nutrition, uh, early activity and ambulation, you know, it's a whole host of things, but tidal volume is certainly a very important part of that. Well, I'm going to sound like an old guy here. You could throw fluid management, by the way, into your list of things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I find it striking that many of the so-called advances in uh, managing these patients actually is ratcheting back some of the uh, uh, excessive crazy stuff we were doing in the last half of the 20th century. Yeah, I, uh, I would defer to you to provide that historical perspective. Uh, you've been around longer than I have. I've seen it, but well, you've, you've seen more of it. Yeah, I mean, tidal volumes, aggressive fluids, uh, 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 aggressive attempts to try to maximize oxygen delivery, um, trying to suppress PVCs with lidocaine. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on of things that we thought made the physiology better, only to discover later. Well, you know, uh, it actually made more. It actually caused more harm than good. And um, agreed. Some, sometimes you just need to kind of take a step back a little bit and uh, let Doctor Mother Nature uh, do her thing. <laughs> yeah, so the road to less is better. Right. Yeah. The the road to ARDS is paved with good intentions. <laughs> well, you got that right. <laughs> So guys, we've we've been talking for a while, and it's been a, an absolutely great discussion. And for our for our listeners, I, you know, strongly encourage you to, to grab the pro con debate and, and read through. And then there's there's obviously great references and and, and you know terrific studies that that both gentlemen uh, reference to. And so dive deep and and explore for your own. Um, I want to be respectful of your guys' time, uh, especially you, Neil. I know you're on vacation, so this was very kind of you. And uh, oh, it's a great one. I love talking with Colin. Colin. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I wanted to see. If there's any other kind of you know, things we didn't you know dive into, uh, something else to explore, or if not, then just sort of, sort of some final thoughts, and, and we'll get things wrapped up. Yeah, I, I want to um, respond to Neil's uh, statement that he uh, appreciates uh, discussing this with me. To me, this is a terrific opportunity to discuss uh, mechanical ventilation and computerized protocols uh, with one of the giants in the field, and that's you, Neil. So I, I feel privileged to be able to have this discussion with you. It's been educational for me, and I hope that uh, the listeners also find it educational. Well, I'll return the compliment because you guys at Inner Mountain are certainly the world thought leaders in, uh, in, in, in this whole notion of trying to standardize and uh, better provide mechanical ventilation through uh, computers. So like I said, it's been a pleasure being part of this conversation this afternoon. Well, thanks. 
Well, guys, that was fantastic. I, I can't thank you both enough for your time. This was this was a perfect discussion, and uh, we I, I guarantee you, our listeners, uh, thank you for it and, and enjoyed the discussion. So, both of you have a fantastic day, and, and thanks so much. All right. Okay. Thank, thank you. you have a great day. Bye.